Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Process Theology, which explains how it is that everything is in the process of becoming, even God, and you are the means by which God does so. You are significant. My name is Daniel, and I am the host of of this podcast. I'm sitting here in my podcast room thinking about how I'm going to present these podcasts. And now that I have obtained a certain sense of how to make a podcast and how to record it, I'm going to try to make this a weekly event. In the past, as you've noticed, I've simply recorded on a random basis, and I recognize that that can cause an issue for some of you. So I'm going to be more consistent. Uh, I'm sitting here in the dark, looking out the window, with a porch light on, and the trees in the background. And I think this time of day may actually be conducive to to my making the podcast themselves. So let's start. Today I'm going to talk about process theology and how it is that process theology is not a religion. And the first thing that may come to mind for those of you listening in is that the title of the podcast is Podcast Theology. And the theology aspect would indicate that we're dealing with religion here. Since theology means Theo, God, ology, study of, study of God. So how can this not be a religious concept? How is it that process theology is not religious in nature? Interestingly enough, process theology is a fairly new idea. And the idea is rather revolutionary because process theology changes the concept of God from being a religious concept, in other words, a concept based simply upon faith with no supporting evidence scientifically to support it. Well, process theology, in a sense, turns religions on its head. For process theology is based upon scientific observations. The first thing you may say is, well, we can't see God. And and that's true. We can't see God. But there are a lot of things that we accept 
as factual concepts based upon indirect observation. For instance, an earthquake. Nobody has seen an earthquake. They've seen the effect of an earthquake, but they haven't seen the earthquake. And air, we we don't see the air. We look through the air. But indirect observation tells us that the air is not only there, it tells us what composes the air. For instance, we know there's oxygen in the air, but we can't see the oxygen. We know there's nitrogen in the air, but we can't see the nitrogen. But through indirect observation, science has shown us that there is oxygen in the air and there is nitrogen in the air, despite the fact that we can't see it. And that's what process theology does. It uses science through direct or indirect observations to show us that there is no doubt that God exists. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about God here, there are a lot of names for God. Different religions, different cultures, different geographies. They all have different names for God. But they all agree that God is the creator of the universe. That is the definition of God. God is the creator of the universe. So, science indirectly shows that there's an outside to the universe. And how does it do that? Well, science and scientists have suggested and are studying the concept of a shape to the universe. And we've discussed this before. And we've discussed how if there is a shape to the universe, there has to be an outside or you can't have a shape. And science is studying the age of the universe. And you can't have age without a beginning. Because if there is no beginning, there is no reference point from which one can measure the beginning to where we are. So if there was a beginning, that would imply that there was a point when there was no universe. And that implies that there has to be an existence which created that universe, which instigated initiated that universe. And some say, well, the universe simply is like a yo-yo and it expands and then it contracts. 
and it contracts to the point where yeah, there's no space between all the atoms, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and the density is almost, if not, infinite. Well, then they say it explodes, and it goes out again, and it comes back, and it goes out, and it comes back. Well, let's just take a look at that for a minute. At the point that it withdraws and becomes very compact, what's outside that? What is there that it's expanding into and contracting from? Well, if we take away the universe, which by definition is all, not some, all, of space, time, matter, and energy. If we take that away, if we erase it, if we take the yo-yo away, is there anything that could possibly still exist? And yes, there, there is an existence uh, that is not comprised of time, not comprised of space, not comprised of matter and energy. Hmm. So what would that be? Well, thought is one example. Knowing, same thing as thought, knowing and thought. So one could say knowing, thought is left, and, and thought has no dimension, and thought has no time factor involved. So yes, there could be an entity that exists in the form of pure thought, pure knowing. Now this entity, uh, without a universe, would be able to conceive of concepts but it wouldn't have experienced the actual concepts. They would just be ideas. And we've talked about this before. The idea, for instance, of the sun warming your skin. Well, there would be no sun. There would be no skin. There wouldn't be no sense of warming without a universe. The concept would be there, but it wouldn't have been experienced. So this purity of thought that existed without a universe <clears throat> could say to could say to itself, you know, I'd like to find a way of making these concepts more authentic, real. And I think I have an idea. I think I will create something called, well, I'll call it a universe. And when it makes this universe, there is time in it. There is space in it. There is matter and energy in it. And anything that's in that universe 
can, if it has the capability, can be experienced. For instance, you can experience the sun warming your skin. You can experience the air flowing over your body and cooling your body. Now, there's a difference between that experiencing and the conceptualization. What process theology does for us is it simplifies this whole thing where it is understandable by almost anybody. And it does this by making it possible to build a model. And we've talked about this. And the model has two parts. It it has the big rectangle, which last time we talked about making it an oval, but it doesn't matter, an oval rectangle. (sighs) Who cares? It doesn't matter. It symbolizes. And we filled it with gray to represent thought. And then through process theology, we have the understanding that there is a circle. And we call it the universe. And we're not saying the universe is circular in nature. Just that that represents a universe. And we place it inside that large rectangle off center because it's not the center, most likely. Very improbable if it is. We place it off center. And that contains matter, energy, space, and time. And all of matter, energy, space, and time is located inside that circle. And then we took a little circle and filled it gray to represent the same essence, same composition as what's outside the universe. And we placed it in the big circle, and we placed it off-center again. And that represents a spark of what's outside the universe, a spark of God, a spark of the divine. And that type of thing we call a soul. And that soul, we talked about how it can float into the body, and then in the, in a certain manner connect to it so it is connected to the five senses. Well, okay. So getting back to process theology, we just talked about the simplicity of the model. And how does that make it so it is not a religious concept? The idea of the model, the idea is that God, a creator, does in fact exist and can be found outside the universe. Now, that is not to say that that existence of thought can't flow through the universe. It's just to say there is an existence outside the universe, so if the universe was wiped away, it still would be in existence. Well, why would the universe have to be placed inside that rectangle? It has to be placed inside the rectangle because there is nothing of which we can conceive. 
that would exist outside the rectangle. And some might say, well, yeah, nothingness could exist out there. Well, we'll talk later about how nothingness is actually a type of existence. And it also is found inside God. But that's another topic and a very large one at that. So what does all this do in terms of religion? Process theology changes God from a concept of faith, a concept of potential mythology, into the realm of facts. So now, God becomes a fact, not a myth, not something just based on faith. It becomes a fact, a fact we can study in terms of indirect observation. Well, then does process theology make religions irrelevant? And the answer is absolutely not. All it does is change the concept of God from being a faith-based concept to being a fact. Religions still are necessary in terms of providing an understanding of God in terms of faith-based concepts. So, process theology does not make religions irrelevant. So, where do we go from here? We have to go to the understanding that God exists. And what that means for society is that there is such a thing as absolute morality. There is such a thing as right and wrong. There is such a thing as morality, as right and wrong, that is over and above the laws created by man or women, it brings us to the concept that it's not a case of individuals are different because of their color. Their color is just that, a color, like a color of an automobile. You have black cars, you have white cars. What is the essence of the individual is that little round circle filled with gray coloration. And the gray coloration being the same as the gray coloration outside the universe. That, in fact, is how we are made in the image of God. And there is no color to the soul. There is no color to thought. We are all brothers and sisters. 
by way of our true essence, by way of the soul. And it's important to remember that if we get rid of the concept of God, that leaves a vacuum in terms of right and wrong, of relative morality and absolute morality. And that when you eliminate the concept of absolute morality, of right versus wrong, well, what you do is you leave humanity vulnerable to the dominating powers of the elite. And believe me, the elite out there want to have full control of you and I. So they make us think we are all different. And they use diversity of appearance of physical traits to divide us. The only way to circumvent that is by understanding that God does exist as a fact. And with that, I'm going to sign off. Uh, Stand tall. Stand strong. For there are a lot of individuals out there, self-serving, who want to gain power over you and I. And they know the way to do that is undermining our understanding that there is a creator to the universe and a creator to you and I. And the implications go far beyond this earth. And we will talk about that in future podcasts. In the meantime, peace and uh, stand strong, stand strong, stand tall. Thank you for joining me today. In the meantime, remember to stand strong, stand tall against the forces in society that want to reduce you to mere flesh and blood in order to dominate you and subjugate you, when in fact you have a spark of the divine within you. And it is that spark of the divine which is made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You must have significance. And in fact, you must be significant. How could it be otherwise? This is Daniel signing off. Peace.